Welcome to Aiming for the Moon. I am Taylor Bledsoe. I'm Maddie Henry, and on this podcast, we interview interesting people from a teenage perspective. That's right. And today we will be interviewing Dr. Tara Johnson, who studies and helps identify children with neurodevelopmental disabilities. She also helps invent modified daily use items for them. So here's the interview. Well, welcome, Dr. Johnson, to Aiming for the Moon. Thanks so much for coming on. Thank you, Taylor. I'm honored to be a part of this, and I'm so glad that you asked me to participate. Well, great. So to start off all the questions, I wanted the audience to kind of get to know you a little bit. So could you introduce yourself to us? Absolutely. I am a pediatric neurologist at Arkansas Children's Hospital, which is one of the largest standalone children's hospitals in the country. I treat infants and children with neurodevelopmental disorders, and I engage in research and innovation to make their lives better. So could you give some examples of some of the research and innovations you've done? Um, So in terms of research, I wear a few hats. One of the things that I do is I study children who are at high risk for neurodevelopmental disabilities. I look at them when they're babies and when they're toddlers, and I determine what factors lead to developmental delays down the road. I try to identify these things early because we know that early intervention leads to better outcomes in the long run and better quality of life. I also engage in inventing uh, devices to help children with special healthcare needs. For example, I co-designed a cup for children with cerebral palsy. It is easier to grasp and it limits the size of the sip that the child can take. So it decreases the risk of aspiration or fluid going down the wrong pipe. That's that's really interesting because I, I don't know a lot about cerebral palsy, but uh, it's really interesting that you have a cup that's designed to kind of limit the amount and it's easier to hold. Um, how long did it take you to come up with that, you and your co-inventor? Inventing really takes a long time because you need to come up with a good problem to solve. If it's not a good problem to solve, there's no point in inventing something for that problem. So you have to do your homework. You have to look at the literature and talk to patients and other individuals to decide to solve that problem. We initially designed a cup that we thought was very cool, but then when we thought about how this cup can help people, we actually had to go back to the books and redefine our problem. So we determined, you know, this needed to be a dishwasher safe cup and this needed to be easy to clean and easy, uh, cheap to make, all these, all these sorts of factors that we hadn't put into our initial design. So we actually had to redo our design altogether. We had this fancy battery powered design that was really cool, but no one would have bought it in the future. So when we rethought our design, we actually made what I thought was a much, much better design. Um, and we actually won the CP uh, Foundation um, prize for our invention. That's that's really cool. That's interesting um, that sometimes not the most high-tech stuff is always the best. Like you also have to think about being affordable, like dishwasher safe. I didn't even think about that. 
that makes sense, especially for kids. Cause I mean, the parents are going to, somebody might be a busy day and they just toss it in the dishwasher and then it's melted or something horrible has happened to it. Like that's, I didn't think about it. That's really interesting how it's not always the factors of just figuring out the sipping and the holding. It also has to be other stuff. Like how might people accidentally use this for putting it in the dishwasher? That's really interesting. A lot of factors as an engineer, uh, a lot of times we think if it doesn't have uh, um, enough features, there's a problem with it. Um, but you need to make sure that the features are something that the end user can actually take advantage of. And that, yeah, that it is simple to use and easy to use, affordable, those sorts of things we got to factor in as well. So what got you into inventing and research? Did you always want to be kind of a researcher or, or was that something that happened after you were in college? Like what, what kind of got you on this road? Um, I think I was always curious from a young age. I was interested in becoming a doctor at a young age. I was influenced a lot by my own dad, who um, is a doctor. Uh, He's retired now. Um, But I I always thought that what he did was fascinating. In high school, I actually had the opportunity to take engineering classes as part of our tech ed requirements. And I really enjoyed applying math and physics and other principles to everyday problems to come up with practical solutions to these problems. It encouraged me to really think outside the box. You have to define a box, but you have to, <laughs> you have to sort of think outside of it as well um, to determine how to creatively solve problems. And then in college, I decided to pursue biomedical engineering because I enjoyed the engineering part of my education, you know, designing these problems, uh, designing solutions to unique problems, as well as learning about the, the human, um, the human body. So what would you say to someone who was interested in what you do, like in helping people who have disabilities and just doing research and helping with this biomedical engineering, like what tips can you give them or what kind of, is there a pathway to doing this? What are your um, suggestions? Um, I don't know if there's any one specific pathway, but I would say try to get involved in activities so that you can learn more about this population. Uh, There are opportunities through the Special Olympics or through the ARC um, or other volunteer opportunities, maybe even through Easter Seals, um, getting to know individuals who have developmental disabilities. Uh, I was fortunate to train at a place called Kennedy Krieger, which is in Baltimore. Um, And it is a hospital for children with special health care needs. So I was very fortunate to be exposed to that early on. There are other uh, hospitals in uh, most of the states by now, I believe, um, through the LEND program um, or Leadership Education and Neurodevelopmental Disabilities. Um, And so there may be other opportunities through that. I would also say keep an open mind and be creative. Think out, you know, think outside the box. Think about unique solutions. Also, talk to people with diverse interests. Um, you know, some people who aren't engineers may come up with the best engineering solutions to a problem uh, because they have other expertise that we don't think about. You know, that reminds me of a book that I read, and it was interesting. It goes into that subject about talking to diverse people. And it was interesting because they were saying that I think it might've been NASA or somebody created a website and it was like, Hey, I've been having this problem for years. Our researchers can't figure this out. Anyone have any suggestions? And they like 
they were able to figure it out because some guy just had been kind of not really thinking about this problem, but had just been, you know, had this random idea that, and he didn't even, he wasn't even an engineer. He was like just a mechanic somewhere. So it was interesting because it was, um, because they were so specified, they hadn't actually seen this. And this, just this idea who, and this guy who was just kind of general had seen it. I thought that was kind of interesting. It was, um, it talked all about range and how that was important. Yeah. When I've, uh, when I've um, worked on building some of my devices, I used to work with an individual named Paul Gilka, and he had extensive experience in electronics and machining. Um, he didn't have a formal degree in these, but he was a ham radio person, and he loved tinkering uh, with different things. And sometimes he helped me make the best design decisions for what I was trying to build. That's really interesting. So I'm curious, how do you go about coming up with a prototype for your stuff? Like, what's that process? Like, what's the your inventor process? I would say coming up with a prototype is maybe the most fun part of what I do. Um, sometimes you'll play with things like Legos and Play-Doh and clay just to get something together and see what it's going to look like. Um, you get to play with computer software to draw your device. Um, you get to play with electronics. Uh, you might not be a licensed machinist, but you might get to, you know, play, you know, play with a few power tools, obviously safely, um, you know, drilling holes, cutting things, using the milling machine. Um, I think that's the most fun and really getting to see your prototype, um, take shape and actually, you know, have something that, that works and you can, you can get to test it out. That's, that's really cool. Do you keep it like a sketchbook of designs? Cause I feel like that's kind of a trope in movies where inventors have like a sketchbook in a lab. Is that, is that real or is that just a movie thing? It's real. Um, so yeah, we do need to keep track of our designs. Um, it's, it's actually very important to keep that, uh, that paper trail. So, you know, um, what you've tried, what failed, um, what you can make better. Um, you know, you may go down one pathway and have three possible designs and you pick one and it doesn't work at all. And so you might have to rethink and, you know, go backwards, rewind and look at your other designs. Um, and you also want to keep records because when you're getting to the stage where you want to protect your intellectual property, um, by patenting or copywriting or whatever it is, um, you want to keep a record of uh, your contribution to that invention. Yeah, that's really interesting. And I find this inventing process really fascinating. So as we're wrapping up here, I wanted to ask you our last two questions we ask all of our guests. The first one is, what books have had an impact on you and why? I think one of the books that had the most impact on me is Women Don't Ask by Linda Babcock and Sarah Lashever. Uh, I am a woman in the STEM field. Um, and I think it's important for women to learn to ask for what they want to negotiate and get opportunities uh, that you know they may not realize they were available um, and that they may have originally lost out on because they were afraid to ask. Um, I also found deep work by Cal Newport to be especially helpful. Uh, when you have a job like mine, where you get to use creativity 
for part of your day and you get to do the nitty gritty, you know, all the, the number crunching in a different part of your day, you want to know when's the best time to do those tasks. And you know, some of these things depend on if you're a morning person or a, or a night person, night owl, and um, it's good to be able to use your time wisely. Yes. I think I've heard of both. I know I've heard of deep work, but I think I've heard of women don't ask. Is that the book? Is that women don't ask? Yes. Okay. I thought I said that. I thought I heard it correctly. Um, And I think one of our guests, it might've been, uh, we interviewed the Arkansas Women's Foundation president, I believe. And she, I think she recommended that book. So that was interesting. And deep work listeners, longtime listeners have known we interviewed that author. And I thought that, that book is one of my favorites. So we share that. I love that book so much. So that's awesome. Um, the other question we have is what advice do you have for teenagers? So for teenagers, um, I would say, you know, make sure you study and develop good work habits. Um, remain open-minded. Uh, you don't know what your life is going to offer. Um, I was fortunate to be able to pursue what I was most interested in. And my job did not exist when I was a teenager. However, I was able to put a lot of parts together um, so that I could do what I wanted to do with my life. Um, At this point, I feel like I'm living the dream. And so I'm very lucky. And I hope that everyone else is too. It's interesting. Yeah, we've talked to people before where they say they've kind of been invented their jobs and like to teenagers, including myself, it's like, what you did? What? Like I, we think at least, and so do I, um, you have to major in what you want to do when you grow up because that's what a lot of people frame it to us as like, Hey, go major in biology or something to go into medical school. But I guess you don't have to major in what your job is. You can learn about stuff around that, but then kind of create your job. So I've been learning that. And I think that's really interesting. Good to keep your options open and diversify yourself when you're young, and then you can specialize later in life. It is. Well, thank you so much, Dr. Johnson, for coming on. It was awesome getting to talk to you. Thank you. I I thoroughly enjoyed this experience. So that was interesting talking to like a really cool inventor who's invented that type of cup. Um, I thought that was a very interesting interview. We learned a lot about the inventor process and I thought that was fascinating. We talked about the concepts of range from David Epstein's book and interview we did with him. Um, Maddie, what did you get from the interview? Yeah, I agree. It was kind of cool to pull the curtain back and see a little bit more into how inventing something works, you know, because like, I bet all of us have had an idea at one time or another of like, oh, that might be a cool thing. But then you're like, I have literally no idea where to begin. So I thought it was really interesting to see kind of the steps they took to finally get their idea like in their hands and out there. And I thought it was interesting that they use Legos to prototype their things. That was that's awesome. That's so fun. (laughs) That is you get to play with Legos for a job and make things after that. That's really awesome. I've always curious. Yep, I agree. Maddie, what did you think of the advice? I liked it. I thought it was really interesting because we've had a couple of guests kind of look at us and be like, well, I've kind of inv- 
invented my job. Like, you know, and so she kind of said something along those lines and said to like, be open-minded. And so I think that's really cool to kind of think that like, we, we don't overly have to be decided when we go to college, you know, but like, maybe you're the one that like creates the path for this new job that you really like. And so I don't know. I love that. I thought that's kind of a cool perspective. I agree. I think that was really cool. And I think that's interesting that multiple guests have talked about that. They're definitely all interesting people. <laughs> that was that was cheesy. Anyway, um, I think that brings us right into our announcements. Maddie, do you have any announcements for us? Just the usual. So visit us on our website, aimingforthemoon.com. We have a couple of things there, a contact page if you want to give us any recommendations or feedback, uh, guest pages so you can learn a little bit more about our guests, an about page, and so much more. So definitely go check that out. We also have an Instagram and Twitter account. So we'd love for you to go stop by and look at that. It's aiming for the number moon. Uh, So we post updates. Yeah. So go check that out and you can contact us on any of those platforms. And we're also on YouTube at aiming for the moon podcast. Yep. That's about all. Well, thanks for the notifications, Maddie. And then my section of it. Hey, don't forget to rate the podcast. If you enjoyed it, review it and share it around. That helps us, you know, just in general, get more guests and grow our audience. So that'd be great. And then I believe that's about all. So don't forget. Set your sights high and aim for the moon.